On episode 48, we talk about spotternetwork.org with President John Wetter and discuss the pros and cons of our favorite weather models. From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, atmospheric science graduate and Skywarn storm spotter Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, Emmy-winning storm chaser and photographer Chris Sanner, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn storm spotter and chaser Phil Johnson. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the Stormfront Freaks podcast that's brought to you by Danner Boots. The classic is available today. Every boot is handmade to hold up in unforgiving conditions and live up to our unyielding standards. The future is strong with Danner Boots and their stronghold work boot. It's also brought to you by Severe Studios since 2006. They're the longest running storm chase video streaming service in existence. Find out more at severestreaming.com. So hey, if you're a first-time listener, thanks for checking us out. I uh, hope you come back. <laughs> we can't promise you anything. <laughs> uh, but be sure to go to stormfrontfreaks.com and check out the library of all of our previous shows and popular guests. There's bound to be at least two or three other guests that you're uh, going to love to listen to and or watch. Uh, but this is episode 48 and it is during National Weather Podcast Month here in March. And we're talking with the president of Spotter Network, John Wetter, is here tonight. All right. Um, we are also going to be discussing weather models and which ones work, which ones don't. And as always, stick around for the fun weather fools and some WX resources you will want in your arsenal. And, and I, I wanted to tell my, my friendly freaks this. You know, I was, I was thinking about, you know how we're a... Uh, Weather Ready Nation ambassador, right? Yep. And so one one of the uh, podcast hosts, uh, Mark Jelenic from uh, What Is It About the Weather podcast, he actually did a, a survey, did a study on uh, weather podcasts and are they benefiting the Weather Ready Nation uh, ambassador mission and all that stuff. And it's very favorable. Uh, I'll have to share that Good. with you guys. Good. But, you know, I thought, I, I was thinking, how often do we mention that we're a re- uh, wetter, <laughs> wetter, John Wetter. Uh, how often do yeah. we mention <laughs> that we're a weather-ready nation ambassador? And, and I think, you know, we don't really mention it much. And I thought probably our best ambassador, uh, ambassador-ness, whatever <laughs> that word would go be. Go on, go is, on. Is weather fool, right? Because weather fools Wait, is definitely what not to do. To do. That's my in, favorite part of the show. In a weather situation. So that's definitely our, our contribution to the Weather Ready Nation Ambassador program. So, hey, let's uh, let's find out a little bit more here what everyone's drinking tonight. It's always happy hour at Stormfront Freaks when we record. And it's the best way to introduce everybody to you is really to find out what everyone's drinking because we do like to have a good time on the show. So I'm going to start with MJ, our Skywarn coordinator up in Minnesota. Hey, I am uh, tonight... I'm drinking Maz's one-liner, if you remember back when we had the uh, drinks made for us. And this is a Captain Coke with root beer. I'm I'm drinking, uh, thanks to my wife, Jill, she actually brought me down a cranberry vodka with a splash of Sprite. Um, I don't know what you call it. You probably call it a cranberberry vodka with a splash of Sprite. So so that's what I'm drinking here in Cincinnati. I'm going to go to the other guy in Cincinnati, Maz, our former TV meteorologist. What do you got? So I just got home. I had a pizza, had some wine, had some chocolate, oh. and then it had chocolate milk. <laughs> and I'm like, I better just route it up with beer then. Cause... <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's check with Dina, our, our weather producer in Atlanta. Dina, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, pure whiskey. Uh-huh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm still on that protein. Oh, you're on that crap. stinking what? Still. When the hell do you get off that thing? It's an 80-day thing and I'm on day 47. Brady is our atmospheric science grad up in Columbus. What are you drinking tonight, Brady? You know, I'm drinking I have a nice uh, Pinot that my Ooh. dad had poured. So it's, sophisticated it's, now. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm on a little diet of my own, a little antioxidant diet. So. <laughs> All right, and then we're going to go to uh, Chris, 
our, our Emmy-winning storm chaser in Oklahoma City. Chris, what are you drinking, sir? Well, you know, tonight I decided to really switch things up, guys. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, boy. Mm-hmm. All right. It's a gigantic bottle of water, and <laughs> it's an herbal tea. All right. Tonight we welcome John Wetter. Uh, John is the, the technic- technology services manager for Hopkins School District in the greater Minneapolis-St. Paul area and the current president of the Spotter Network. Uh, the Spotter Network brings storm spotters, storm chasers, coordinators, and public servants together in a seamless network of information. It provides accurate position data of spotters and chasers for coordination reporting and provides ground truth to public servants engaged in the protection of life and property. So, John, that's a lot. I was looking at your bio, and you had, uh, I think, a degree in meteorology and political science, which is perfect for you. But how did you get involved with the Spotter Network, let alone become president? Yeah, um, I guess that's my background. I've done just a little bit of everything in there. Um, I went to school um, for meteorology degree, uh, with minors in uh, mathematics and political science, because those always go together. <laughs> so, um, but I guess my, you know, the background of Skywarn and spotting and kind of how it got, I got to Spotter Network is during school up at St. Cloud, uh, there's a very active spotter program in Stearns County, which is where St. Cloud State, St. Cloud, Minnesota is. And one of the actually the oldest spotting organizations in the region in Stearns County, and they actually have support from the emergency management office there. And so I got involved with that during school, um, you know, started storm chasing, actually a adjunct faculty there at the time got me into storm chasing. And so both both of those, you know, passions really kept growing. I became on the uh, joined the board of directors up there. Um, while I was still in school. And once I graduated there, uh, moved down to the Twin Cities. And um, for the last several years, since 2006, um, I've actually been the coordinator of Skywarn operations for the National Weather Service in Chanhassen. Um, So I coordinate all of their radio operations throughout the region. So we have a a large CWA, especially by kind of the Eastern region standards. We have a very large uh, county warning area. And we have about 24 organizations that we talk with throughout the 51 counties that Chanhassen serves. So help coordinate all those pieces. I do Skywarn classes, um, have helped create material. A lot of the video that we use in uh, the Skywarn classes here in the region, I've put together thanks to the great video we get from a lot of the chasers and spotters out there and uh, work very closely with the warning coordination meteorologist to put all that together. You're obviously talking now about the spotter network, and, yeah. and I think it's, it's important. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about really what that is. Sure. Um, if you can talk about that, and, and then you can, you can kind of finish about the, uh, how you became president. But yeah. I, I think let's, let's include that, too, because I think that's a great, great program. Yeah, absolutely. So spotter network, I guess, just to give background of what spotter network is, um, it's a nonprofit organization. So we are 501c3 now. And what what it really is, it's a software, um, you know, it's an organization of folks that really just see wanting to see the next, you know, step for Skywarn. Um, you know, even I saw as the coordinator of Skywarn at Chanhassen and talked to other folks that you'd get reports in from the field and spotters and even chasers and even very well-known chasers have no clue where they actually are. So they'll call in a tornado and think they know where they are. And they, in reality, are two towns off. You know, that's just the last town they remember seeing a sign for as they were as they were driving. Wait, so, they must be guys, right? Because they don't stop and ask <laughs> for directions. Right. Right. <laughs> well, can't you get their G- do you get your GPS location off their phone or something now? Or yeah. So that's exactly what Spotter Network seeks to solve is those problems of the where actually are these reports coming from. And so through software, you know, running on whether it be originally on your laptop and now certainly on your phones as well, it automatically just tags your report with the exact uh, location. So it gets your GPS coordinates. It puts you right on the map, right where it is. Um, That information is sent straight to the National Weather Service where the 
we're uh, we have a you know a memorandum of understanding with the National Weather Service of you know formal understanding with them that our data does go straight into their systems, uh, so they do see it in real time as it's happening out now. In is the this field. Every, is this every WFO, John? Yes. Yep. This is across the entire country. We have so every office. Um, okay. All the data goes into their systems in two different ways. Is it the you chat? Know, Yep, one of the ways that it goes in is chat, um, and we have we're in every WFO in the country except for two. If I'm brand new, how walk me through how do I get signed up? What do I have to go through to to get and be a part of the Spotter Network? Yeah, to be a part of Spotter Network, all you got to do is go to spotternetwork.org, sign up, get an account, sends you a password. You go online and fill out all your information. Um, there's a couple different things, your public profile, you know, because people want to be seen publicly as well. But there's also the National Weather Service profile, which only the Weather Service can see. And you go through our online training course. So you do have to go through some training. You know, that was a piece that the Weather Service really wanted us to make sure we had in place. Well, I think that's a good idea. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, quite yeah. Yeah. How, how long does it take to get through that? You know, it all depends on your background. Um, you know, if you are you know, have no background whatsoever in storms or haven't seen them. It could take you several hours to get through. Um, but otherwise, if you've been to a local spotter course, if you've, you know, already been out seeing storms, you're going to be able to get through it pretty darn quick. So say you sign up and you become a s official spotter. Um, can you find people in your local area to go with you? Like kind of like how chasers go together? Um. That's probably kind of difficult, you know, just because it's, um, you know, you can see people on the map as far as where they are. But, you know, as far as contacting other people, unless they've made their information public, you uh, don't really have that contact information or you know, the contact ability. Of course, when you're out chasing, you know, it's one of those things that can be down in, you know, the panhandle of Nebraska and run into somebody who lives five miles away from me here in Minnesota. So, you know, <laughs> on a gravel road somewhere. This may not be an easy question, but how big is the spotter network? Like how many people are involved in this? Yeah. Um, depending on which metric you use, you know, we have, I would uh, rate around 40,000 active members. Ooh, okay. uh, we've got as far as actual accounts, I think we're somewhere in the mid 50,000s. But as far as you look at the actual active accounts, you know, people that have done something with it, um, we're somewhere in that 40,000 people ballpark. Wow. Okay. So it's with that kind of, you know, with that kind of base, what would you say is like your biggest challenge that you face, um, you know, within your spotter network? Is it communication or what's your biggest challenge? Um, you know, like every organization, especially volunteer organizations, I think um, communication is one of the challenges, you know, just helping make sure everybody understands what's going on and kind of where we're at, where we're going. And uh you know, the challenge for us is just, frankly, the time around it. You know, everyone with Spotter Network is a, is a volunteer. I was actually out at ChaserCon here a couple of weeks ago in Denver, and somebody asked me how much I make from Spotter Network. Like, well, none. <laughs> That's um, huge. Yeah, it's actually really, really a big time involvement, but... Um, let's see, I you know, so that's that's really the big thing about that. The challenge, you know, of course, is um, just making sure that reports are continually quality, you know, quality assurance on it all the way through, you know, it, I think the, the Twitter verse and Facebook verse makes a lot big deal out of when a bad report does come in, you know, from someone who, you know, maybe doesn't understand everything around spotter network that it's like, no, when you put a report in, you're actually going right to the weather service. So if you put something, you know, weird in there, you're taking up a lot of people's time because that's going straight into the systems at the weather service. And there's a lot of people that are going to react to that. So it's like a, a test option, right? Isn't there a test? Yeah, absolutely. With all that online uh, coursework, you have to pass a test at the end. You absolutely have to pass a, a um, test. Well, okay, which is good. It's good to know that. I actually meant, is there a test option to send a report, but only a test report? There is not. Oh, I thought there was. Okay. Yeah, there is a, uh, you're probably thinking of MPing, uh, yeah, which is yeah, a, has a test option. Too, sure. You can send it none there. And that's a different piece of just the way the data comes in with MPing, you know, for immediate things that data isn't as available to forecasters as spotter network data is. 
All right, I, I claim I, I claim dibs on that option on Spotter <laughs> Network, by the way, just so you know. Do you guys yeah. have an app? Do you have an app? No, we do not have uh, an app for a phone right now. What we've instead decided to do is work with our partners to be able to do reporting. Uh, so, for instance, one of the big apps for weather enthusiasts is Radar Scope from WDT. And you can report straight to Spotter Network once you've logged in on Radar Scope. So, right from your phone, you can. Um, you know, like on an iPhone, you just go up to the share sheet and you click share report to spotter network. Really? I've got yep, radar scope cool. on here right now. I'm going to have to look at it. Yeah. We have a windows application, you know, so if you go to spotternetwork.org, we have all the apps that we work with right down to the bottom corner there. We have, you know, we have partners on the Android side, partners on the iOS side. We have our own windows app. Um, so pretty much, pretty much everywhere we're, you know, we're all good radar apps are so old. <laughs> if, if, well, we, if you had challenges, John, with people complaining about the time it might take to enter a, a report on the phone and send and or even data connection challenges because of that? Um, we've heard, heard some about that, but I know even me personally, it actually um, in a lot of places you, you get more data through than you do phone calls. You know, especially when you're out in the sticks somewhere, it seems like you can trickle just enough data through to actually get a report out there. Whereas you can't keep a phone call well enough to, you know, actually get a whole True. report out. I've, I've been on the receiving ends of those phone calls from chasers, you know, at the National Weather Service. And, you know, when you're hearing, you know, it's really hard to understand what a chaser is reporting when you're only catching about every fourth word or so. Um, so, you know, from getting that all together from a, spotter network report actually is really nice because you get that concise information and that person who's put all that together. So we actually see some pretty good reporting from there. And a lot of chasers I know just prefer to do it. It fits into their workflows a little bit better just because they're already doing radar. They're already doing that stuff. So why not stay in those same apps that they're using and make your reports that same way? Hey, John. Oh, you, Sam, and you used to speak in every fourth word, didn't you? Uh, I, I do, actually. I do that all the time. So. <laughs> uh, John, uh, just for people who like people like me, storm chasers, what are some of the big future plans for Spotter Network? You guys get anything big cooking? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, some of the things, you know, one of the number one requests that we get with Spotter Network is more social media integration so that when you actually put your report out, it can both post to your Twitter, but also post links back so that you, for instance, in a spotter network report right now, all you can put is text. And there's a big, the big request is how do we get pictures into those reports? And so that's something that we're looking at is how can we tie that to social media in a secure way so that those reports, you know, we can tie a, an actual image back. So the weather service can actually see an image of what you're reporting as well. That's really probably the, the big thing going forward. And there's a lot of security things you have to think about. You know, on Twitter, pretty much everything is open, but also on Facebook, you have to think about, okay, how did they share the report? You know, if they didn't share it as a public report on Facebook, it's just a broken link to the rest of the mm -hmm. world. And so there's a lot of things we have to figure out there yet, but that's certainly, the direction where we see that going and you know, we've got to get more, more rich media in with that information. That sounds like a good plan because that's the stuff I look for every day when I go to work. Yeah. I'm looking at all that stuff. So I'm taking all that information you guys are sending and trying to relay it to the public. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other piece on that, you know, the second piece we really look at and we talk about this is the, you know, the advisory committee is uh, continuing to make, it more more of a robust uh, quality control on the reports. We actually want to get feedback back to the spotters. You know, right now there's a page on our site where you can go and look and just see all the recent reports and you know what your reports were graded. Because as reports come in, the advisory board actually can go in and grade the reports. We basically <laughs> just do those on are on are yellow. They, are those confidential? <laughs> Are those confidential? <laughs> no, you actually see that right there. We want to be we want to be wide open with that data. Uh, yeah. We think that that's what helps the system is by seeing both the good, the bad, and the ugly go by. Sure. That's that's how you yeah. learn. Yep. And you know we encourage all of our folks doing those reviews of the reports. You know to 
put notes in, you know, why, if you didn't give this a perfect uh, yeah. score, then why? Yeah. And you know, that, that's how we all grow. You've yep. spent some time working in a school, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little all bit. Right. John, John, I want to finish with this. Um, tell us a little bit about where these uh, spotter and chaser tributes started. How did that start um, where the, the spotters and chasers line up or put in coordinates to spell out the initials uh, to give respect to past chasers and spotters? Yeah, that's, um, you know, we reserve that quite a bit um, as far as we want to do that for. I think the um, most famous or perhaps infamous uh, tribute we did was for uh, Tim and Paul Samaris and Carl Young when the three of them uh, passed away following the El Reno tornado. And from there, you know, we've done just a few since then. And um, if you're not familiar with the tributes, basically what it is is people go through on Spotter Network and you actually manually place your your beacon. You know, people don't drive out, you know, to the middle of Kansas to be, you know, the middle dot in the T or something. Um, so people manually place their beacons out there. And, um, you know, we, we helped try to facilitate that. And, you know, we think it's just it's a way to pay respect for people, more or less, you know, marking your initials on the you know, in the heart of Tornado Alley, you know, it's one way that we can pay tribute to uh, folks who are, you know, notable or important to the, to the, to the hobby. So uh, tell us, John, how can, uh, how can our listeners find you on social media and find you and Spotter Network? Yeah, Spotter Network, it's, I mean, it's easy to get to just spotternetwork.org. You know, if you're already out there spotting, sign up take the training, take the test and, you know, join, join the ranks of folks that are out there using spotter network. The data is so valuable for the national weather service. We've seen the data used in research and in other applications as well, you know, in longer term pieces. So that's where you can find spotter network all the time. We're always out there. Certainly you can find the data from spotter network uh, just about anywhere. You can find that, you know, we have place files for Gibson Ridge, um, you can see that, of course, in Radar Scope as well as many other uh, radar products out there as well. So that's where you can hit, find out Spotter Network out there. Myself, I'm on Twitter, just John Wetter. Um, Spotter Network is out there, of course, just Spotter Network on Twitter. All right. Well, hey, it's time for our lightning round. Uh, this is our game show of brilliant questions for our guest. Uh, we always invite everybody to play along. So, so definitely, if you're listening or even watching. Uh, go along and play along with us tonight. We're, I'm calling this Double Jeopardy. Uh, it's going to be very similar to Jeopardy, but we only have one topic. Okay, and the, the one topic is phrases only Minnesotans use. And so what, what we're right. going to do, here's how we're going to do this. So we have, uh, there are nine, uh, uh, nine qu answers, I guess, or nine questions, right? Isn't that how Jeopardy's played? So there are nine questions on the board. Uh, and they go $100 through $900, right? So one, two, three, all the way to $900. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take the freaks. So we got Dina, Maz, uh, Chris, and Brady. Uh, you guys are, are one team. And then, John, you're the other team. But this, <laughs> you're, like you're, the army. you're the ace in the hole. So here's how I'm going to do it to try and be somewhat fair. I'm going to start. I'm going to give the freaks total control of the board at all times. Oh. So they will not give up control nice. of the board, which means they'll have the first option to give an answer uh, or not. If they give an answer and they don't get it right, then it's going to go to John, and John can guess, and if he guesses, he's going to get double dollars. Ooh. Ah. Okay. So, so the are we talking actual dollars here? Are we talking uh, <laughs> monopoly <God>. money? It's <laughs> all no. work harder. No. Nope. So, so, so here's what we're going to do. So these, <laughs> these are phrases only Minnesotans use. And so freaks, I'm going to start with you. You got 100 through 900. I'm just going to go down. I'm not going to tell you which one you can pick. Uh, I'm just going to go down the road. So this is for $100. This is a word to express a wide variety of emotions. Something surprises you. You say this. If something smells funky, you say this. So tired of finals in school and you just want to be done, you would say this. You can express any sort of emotion with this one hyphenated word. The key oh. is to pay attention to tone in order to understand the context 
in which it's being used. Okay, I think I got it. All right, Dina, we'll let you take it. What do you think? Like, oh yeah. It is not. Oh yeah. That might be the Georgian uh, phrase to use. (laughs) But again, these are phrases. Phrases only Minnesotans use, and this is from hercampus.com. So, John, it goes to you for two hundred dollars. Hmm. Oofta. Ah, bingo. Oh. <laughs> Oofta. He got two hundred dollars for that. All right, freaks. That's Norwegian. Yeah, who's heard of I've never heard of that ever never in my heard? life. Oh, yeah. Come on. Oh, all the time. So, no. You culture yourself a little bit, my never. son. I want right, to hold again the state that you're in. I mean here we go. If you've been to a Vikings game at the newly built U.S. Bank Stadium or even at the old Metrodome, you've most definitely heard people scream and sing this word. This Norwegian word used by Vikings actually means cheers and to good health. Freaks. Guys. I'm I, lo- I, I, I actually know this. One second. One second. It's Minnesota Vikings NFL. Center. 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 Come on, Chris. Trying to skull. It is skull. That would be correct for two. What? I just bar- I, 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 I just knew that. Computer. I see you glancing over at your computer. Yeah, I got to look at the screen. There's a you look, I'll talk to you guys. <laughs> so you look like there was some typing. This is the typing. second time now. I'm I'm calling you out on that, brother. All right, freaks, back at you. It's tied two hundred. This is for three hundred dollars. No, it's not soda or coke. Every flavor of carbonated drink is, as Minnesotans call it, this. I got this it. This is a general term to describe the type of beverage you would like. After you say you'd like it, then you cl- clarify the type and the flavor. Maz? Pop. Pop it is. Pop. That's for yeah. 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 yeah, pop. Well, not only the general term, the correct term. The correct. Yeah. Correct. Uh, All right. Uh, and you know what? What's funny? I'm, I'm with you. You notice they're not letting me participate. Well, so. they <laughs> pop in Ohio. Let's keep going. Go. Freaks. Uh, it's back to you. Here we go. I don't know why, but the game Duck Duck Goose is called this here in the land of 10,000 lakes. Maz? Gray Duck? Duck Duck Gray Duck it is for 400 Ooh. points. Hey, John. John. Wow. Put, yes, put, your, put your beer down. Uh, John. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on East Old Shakopee Road. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Oh, well, you know so freaks are at I do. You John is at 200, chomping at the bit to get a shot here. So here we go, freaks. You might call this a casserole or something like that, but not in the upper Midwest. This usually contains a type of starch, a type of meat, frozen veggies, and a can of soup. What is this called? Freaks? Oh, oh Mass knows. I think goulash. It is not goulash. John. A thousand points, John. What is it? Well, Jimmy Fallon, when he was in town, came over for a fantastic tater tot hot dish. It is a hot dish. Right. That is no correct. Way. Oh my god. That is correct. So twelve hundred points Mads. for John. I'm sorry. I've oh, never heard that term. <laughs> Here we go. Next one for six hundred dollars. Uh freaks. No doubt you've probably heard this one before, although this term is used more by older generations. Younger generations use it too. Just like it sounds, it's a way to agree with someone or say yes. Oh, Dina, I got the first play. answer that I gave yeah. on the first thing. You can. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. And that would be incorrect. It is not, oh, oh, yeah. God. I know what it is. John, we're back to you. This is for 1,200 points. Yeah, you betcha. You betcha. You betcha. You betcha. John's got 2,400 points. All right. <laughs> three more. I say point. I'm interchanging points and dollars, so who gives a crap? All right. Here we go. This one, this one could be a tough one. Freaks, if you need a random Minnesotan phrase to shove in any sentence and still make complete sense to another Minnesotan, this is the phrase. Honestly, this saying means absolutely nothing. No idea. Yeah, I bet you do. That would be a no. Okay, you know, go to, it, going to it, John. Oh, no. yeah, sure. Not, no, that's you not know. it. <laughs> going to, going to you, go, what is it? You know? Close, but I'm not going to get it. It's don't you know. Oh, don't you know. Don't you know. All right, don't get that one. All right, here we go. Freaks, even though this might seem like a completely normal directional statement, this saying doesn't have anything to do with direction. When a Minnesotan says this, what they're really referring to is their cabin or to the woods. 
but those don't need to be in that direction. Freaks. I don't know. I mean, the, the most logical answer is north, but I don't know. That's what I was thinking too, but I'm not sure. I've got well, everyone is wrong. It, that, is that, it up north? It would be up north. I would oh, give you up a good, good job. job yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that was for 1600 Teamwork wow. makes the dream work, Mass. So, Keep drinking, buddy. Keep drinking. Uh, no, that was not for 1600 That for you was 800 Sorry. 800 yeah. So 1700 for the freaks. John's still at 2400 so it comes down to this last one. Oh. Here we go. This is an easy convertible saying with multiple different variations. The most popular here in Minnesota end with cute, sure, or fun. Whatever word you place at the end, the overall meaning is full of delight and excitement. Can you repeat it? All right. <laughs> Easily convertible saying. Most popular in Minnesota ends with cute, sure, or fun. Whatever word you place at the end, the overall meaning is full of delight and excitement. I have no idea. Is it so? So cute. So not. It is not. So John, I'm gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna John's go to you. Gonna you still this. have a shot for bonus bonus dollars. I was gonna say, oh, that's cute. <laughs> Close, I, but I wouldn't give it to you because you're from Minnesota. But it's oh four, oh for sure, oh for sure, oh for sure, oh for sure, oh for sure. All right, well, good. John won. John twenty four hundred freaks. You got seventeen hundred. Wow. That was ridiculous. That was actually good. So, John, thanks for playing with us, man. Good job. That was awesome. All right. Hey, the 2018 storm season is upon us, and this is the year you want to stream your chases or maybe you want to move to a more reliable and trusted video broker. SevereStreaming.com from Severe Studios is the place you need to be. With over a 1,000 chasers now on their platform, they were the first to offer pro streaming accounts. All you need is a laptop, HD camera, and a cell data plan, and you are good to go. Severe Studios will do the rest to get your video sold, and you can make top to find out more or to start the process, visit SevereStreaming.com right now. Okay, we're going to take a short break. Our podcast listeners get to hear the latest edition of the Titan U Minute with Chris Sanner. Uh, so go ahead and stay right here. We'll be back to discuss if the National Weather Service storms. Uh, that's not what we're here to discuss. <laughs> that was the last time. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be back. Take two. Weather models. Yeah, weather models. <laughs> And, and which ones we like, which ones we don't like, and uh, which ones we should probably throw out. And now it's time for the Titan U Minute with Chris Satter. Let's dive into what a chase forecast should look like using weather models. Your first step is to look at observations. I look at radar, satellite, surface obs, and lastly, upper air soundings to get my chase morning started. Assuming I'm awake at my typical 8 or 9 a.m. on a chase morning, that is. These four will tell you what the atmosphere is going to do through the rest of the morning so you can anticipate what might happen going into the afternoon. You also know where things are, such as where dew points are at now, where temperatures are, so you can then compare notes with the models. My first stops on chase day for models are typically a combination of a local WRF ran by Texas Tech, the HER, the 3km NOM, and the Euro model. As one note, this year I'll likely be working in the SREF on the SBC website into this rotation, depending on how I like it. Now, how I approach models is I try to take an average of the solutions weighted toward the models that are more tightly clustered in their solutions and also ones I might trust a little bit more. What I mean by that is if three or four models show a storm in Woods County in Oklahoma later that afternoon, and one doesn't show any storms, I'll put a little bit more weight in the Woods County solution while also inquiring why the one model doesn't produce a storm there. By that, I mean I tend to look and see if it initializes the cap stronger than the other three or if the wave's time different. I'll also check and see which of the solutions more closely matches observations. Now, this isn't a foolproof way and the atmosphere will throw your curveballs often. We all bust but it's a good way to take a more holistic view of model outputs. For me at least, I'm not a huge fan of using models and latching on to just one solution. This especially goes for various runs of hourly models like the HER. The HER in particular may change its output on any given day multiple times. 
Again, you have to take an average of the solutions into account versus worrying about the super fine details of any specific run. And of course, after you are done with models, your final step is to apply your own personal pattern recognition to the forecast. This type of knowledge can determine whether what the model is producing makes any sense versus what you have experienced in the past. If you are a newer chaser, this is something that's going to come with time. Always stay open and willing to learn from your mistakes. Failure is the greatest teacher, after all. Hey, we've got a lot of really cool things going on at TornadoTitans.com. From new wild weather episodes every Tuesday to new Titan U content and more. It's just really a good time. So visit us at TornadoTitans.com. Also, find us on social media. Simply search Tornado Titans. We'll see you next time. Okay, hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about weather models. Now, we purposefully tried to avoid, uh, avoid getting too sciencey on this show and we also avoid forecasting uh just a couple things that we've always uh, tried to dodge where possible but i i do think this is an interesting topic that we can share amongst everyone and so i guess let me bring this up first as we talk about weather models and and maybe someone um and maybe dean i'll put you on the spot a little bit maybe you can first explain to uh to our audience what exactly because I'm, I'm not going to go to maz on what a weather model is okay well weather models they help us forecast the weather but it they all start with observations that we get from like the weather balloons we sent up and they're really long math equations that they force us to learn in college and derive and it's awful but all that math goes into it. You, like you take all the observations, you put it in this model and it spits out a, a forecast and they're all a little different. They all have um, different lengths that they can forecast out and the higher resolutions. So like some models are nice because if it's a short term, like you just want to know the next 24 hours, you can look at one that's more high resolution or if you want to look out 10 days. So there's, Different models, different resolutions, and it's all really very you know, complicated when, math. When you say resolutions, what do you mean uh, per se? Like, um, I'm trying not to get too complicated, but like um, there's some weather models that say you fork. You know how like when you watch the weather channel or you watch the news and they have future cast and mm -hmm. it's like a future radar. Well, the higher resolutions really get specific on like the colors and the cells and you can, it really looks high resolution okay. where some of them are kind of like almost colored polygons, you yeah. know, those are lower resolution, but they go out farther. Yep. So like you can go out 200 some hours if you want on some resolutions, but it's not going to be really high res. So it gets then, more specific is what you're trying right, to say. Right. Yeah. So, but that's, you know, so there's all kinds of models out there. Um, it just kind of depends on what you are trying to accomplish. Are you trying to accomplish a severe outbreak that's going to be tomorrow? Or are you trying to look at a hurricane that may make landfall in 10 days? It's a big difference. So, so what, what are the limitations of some of those that would make you go, hey, I, I think I'm going to use this model for this situation, uh, but this situation might dictate something else. What What are the limitations? Is it how far out in advance that they're looking is it the resolution you're talking about? It's all the above. And um, you got to kind of look at, you know, sometimes you'll look at, say, two different models that are forecasting the same thing. And you and they may come up with something totally different. So you're like, all right, well, how has it been behaving? So you can kind of like say you want to look at the radar, see where the storms have been, and then look back and see how the model handled it. So then you're like, okay, I'm going to kind of trust this one. Or sometimes certain models are better at certain things, um, whether it's severe, whether it's um, hurricanes. It's just kind of, and sometimes you just, there's times where like, especially for winter, I feel like winter precip and ice and things are the hardest things to forecast. So there's just days where like you just, throw up your arms and you're like, I'm going to just pick one and, you know, and then I'll change my mind if it's not working out. But 
there are times where they're completely different. And then other times where you're, when you have a um, forecast that you're, you've got more, you feel better about because different models are saying the same thing. Yeah. So that's yeah. my spiel. I, th I think for me, for weather models, you cannot take any one weather model as gospel. Right. Um, you, you know, cause the point is if weather models were that accurate, then we wouldn't, then no meteorologists would have jobs. Right. Right. So the, the point is with weather models is, you know, you have to do exactly what Dina was saying. You have to look at the trends, look at the past performance of that event, really analyze, you know, how has this weather model been doing with the current weather situation? Um, and then use that to really guide you as a meteorologist to make your own forecast. But there's also other things you need to look at, you know, surface maps, current conditions, um, you know, 800, you know, upper level maps that that also you use as a meteorologist to make an accurate forecast. Because ultimately, you know, you need to add value to the weather models, but you don't base your forecast solely around, you know, just one or two models. Right. Yeah. Because so here's an example. Um, early next week, by the time we hear this, it'll be Sunday or Monday. We're we're watching a possible event going on in the Northeast for snow. Now they already got hit by two big nor'easters. One caused huge coastal flooding. The other one just dropped a ton of snow. And and the models too for this recent one that just ended, uh, like Boston was right on the rain snow line. So we went back and forth. The models went back and forth. One minute Boston's going one to three inches. The next they're going eight to 12. And it's so difficult to forecast these. And then when you look at this next one, which everybody's on edge because they've already gotten hammered, <laughs> we're, we're looking at the models. And, and really, like at one point, we showed both of them just to say this is why we don't know for sure. One has a low going out to sea. The other one has it coming up and bringing more snow to the Northeast. And then the next day you look at it again, and now they're kind of trending back more like each other, bringing more snow. I mean, it's, yeah, it's difficult. You know, when people often ask me, you know, what model to look at, you know, I always, I always often reply, you know, say, well, if one model was right all the time, there would only be one weather model. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so that's, you know, I, you know, certainly look from a forecasting approach. It's kind of that ensemble approach. Yep. You, know, you want to look at all of the information available and try to put that together into more of a, all right, you know, all of the weather models are over in the camp of, you know, for instance, with this northeast, nor'easter, perhaps again, you know, all of the models are over in the camp of it being mostly rain. But there's this one model that's over in the camp of, boy, they're going to get dumped on with snow. So then you say, all right, we know our bounds, you know, of the this much snow and this much rain. And most of the models are over closer to here. That gives you a little bit higher confidence that that seems like the more likely solution. But you also know the two extremes that you can end up with. And that, you know, in forecasting in general, that's where I think most of the work is happening right now is even within the modeling community is these ensemble approaches. You know, for instance, uh, people know the GFS model. That's the one that goes out you know, a week mm -hmm. and a half. Um, and the GFS is just, that's the one operational run that you see, you know, every six hours of the GFS. They, what's not as available is the GEFS, the Global Ensemble Forecast System, where you have many members of the ensemble that have just little things changed within them, little perturbations that they change to try to give you an idea of what, direction in general the forecast is going and that mm -hmm. certainly is where a lot of the work is headed towards now and it's harder to get those graphics you know and i certainly wouldn't advocate for folks to really jump on board with those unless you really know the data that you're viewing mm -hmm. but you you made a good point too like uh you know when you look at a couple different models and one's way out there mm -hmm. and a couple other ones are you know kind of in agreement uh, one good example was the big snowstorm we got down here in Atlanta where we had over, you know, a half a foot of snow and it shut down the city. And um, 
like a couple of the models we use all the time was like uh, two to three at the most. And one was like way out there, like it was going six to 12. And we're like, no way, it's Atlanta. And it's the one model we kind of, and I'm not going to, you know, because nobody really knows the name. You kind of threw it out because yeah, we threw it's, it out because it's out we're over like, there. Yeah. That's, we don't always pay attention. Like we look at it, but that's, you know, not our priority one, I guess. And that was the mm -hmm. one that was way out there. And it was right. So Chris, what, Chris, tell me, what, what do you like using? What, what are you down in the planes there? Yeah, I was actually about to jump in. The thing to complicate this even more is uh, models often, oftentimes have biases for each region. Most people are going to be looking at things for a certain region too, but like this year on the planes, I can tell you these first several setups, models are going to throw out like 61 or 62 dew points, and you're going to get there, and you're going to think 3 o'clock in the afternoon with this massive drought going, those dew points are going to be 56 or 57 every time. It's it's like clockwork. So, <laughs> so that's why like as of, so like if you look at models and you take them at their word, you're you're going to find out that you have a lot of problems because if you have a 62 dew point and you're just barely breaking the cap on a model and that 62 becomes a 57, you're, you're sitting there uh, as a storm chaser going, man, I'm getting a sunburn. I'm looking like Brady right here. <laughs> it's this sunny is, outside. <laughs> this oh my is not, gosh. This is not good. And uh, no, I'm kidding, Brady. Uh, <laughs> but, but you should, but, no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but but seriously, like, you know, just to complicate it even further. But what I do, uh, anything like far out there, I tend to use an ensemble approach. I think that's the absolute best way to do things. And uh, outside of that, uh, short term, I like I've become a huge fan of the href actually on the SPC yeah. website, which is that ensemble uh, model for all the short uh, short term, higher resolution models. So, uh, there, the tools are out there. They're getting better every year. That's mm -hmm. the thing that I've always been amazed at is how much better they're getting every year. So, uh, I think for the public, there's probably too much information out there at this <laughs> point. Like uh, you, I could see how somebody could be overwhelmed if they're trying to do this themselves. But Chris, can you give a really quick definition? Cause I don't think people understand the difference between models and ensemble models. Okay. Yeah. Just give uh, the layman term. Uh, basically, let, let's just say for, for the purposes of this discussion, this isn't going to be completely 100% scientifically accurate, but a model is like one model. It's like basically like you're going to run a single computer program. It's going to spit out a single amount of information. That's that. An ensemble is going to take one that one plus 19 of its friends. And then it's going to average them out, and it's going to give you the average of those twenty runs. Right. And that's the that's the simplest way to put it. So an ensemble, I like it better because it kind of gives you all those bounds and kind of gives you an average. But then you can get all kinds of fun ways to play with the data. Some of them give you, so it's kind of yeah. fun. The but average I, as well as the deviation. Usually, yeah, yeah. And ensembles yeah. are usually good for like farther out, right? I mean, yeah. I look at the more farther oh, out. Yeah. I use the regular output for quick, you know. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. If, if the 384 hour GFS actually occurred every time, we would not live in an inhabitable planet. Yeah, I'd have 100 inches yes. of snow every week. Yeah, yeah, and there'd be hurricanes hitting Florida all the yeah. time. Right. So tell tell me, guys, what what uh, what's a resource you like to go to when you look at uh, when you're looking at models? Where are you going to find the information you like to look at? Um, I think a couple of resources. Um, Tropical Tidbits and Weatherbell yeah. are my two favorite. My two favorites, um, I think Trouble t t Tidbits is doing great stuff because it's free. <laughs> and the um, color tables are great. Oh, they're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I would say my favorites are uh, probably PivotalWeather.com yeah. as well as the College of DuPage uh, website um, just for having good, you know, current data as well as the model data. Mm -hmm. I like those and I like uh, Right Weather. I like right weather. Yeah, that one's a good one too. Yeah, I still. I'll, uh, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I still think my favorite weather model is <clears throat> Suzanne Summers. Uh, <laughs> oh that, that is why I didn't go to you. What a weather model is, Sandra. What about you? What are your resources you go to? Uh, I, I will plus one everyone who said the college should do page. I will also say if you are a frequent user, you should totally donate to those guys Absolutely. because they yeah, run. I do. They run year. an yeah. I, same here. Uh, uh, one apart from the ones that haven't been mentioned is weather.us. It's a newer player in the market. And Ryan they, got, they, yeah. they got great, great uh, color tables, that sort of thing. And they also offer the Euro for free, which is amazing. And I am using it 
basically every day at this point. So yeah, yeah weather.us is amazing. That one Throw looks great down. too, but it's expensive, isn't it, for the yeah. year? Uh, you can actually, the, they have a free uh, interface you can use for all the commonly ones, and they have the premium stuff that's really awesome, too. Yeah, the they premium model, looks fabulous. Yeah, they have a model nice. comparator, right, Chris, where you can compare yeah. it to side by side? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're 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 doing some cool work. My only beef with it would be that the Zoom stuff is a little wonky still, but they're going to get that figured out. I mean, if that's the only complaint, they're doing a great job. Yeah, yeah my favorite site for a year, the Euro for ECMWF data is the is EuroWX.com. I know that. Okay, like okay. that's really my go-to. Good. You've got a lot more winter stuff there too. Oh, good. All right. Well, hey, we want uh, all of our listeners, viewers, let us know what you think on the subject. You can always email us at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook and tag us your thoughts so that we can share that on the next show. We're going to take our final break. The rest of you can refill your drinks. And when we come back, it's time to share our WX resources and add some more to our list of weather fools. This is Storm Chaser Dan Robinson. You're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Hey there, it's Min, the co-host of Weather Hype, and here's a message to get you weather ready. The spring season is here, and we want to prepare you for spring weather threats, which include thunderstorms. Remember, if you hear thunder or see a flash of lightning, seek shelter immediately. Fully enclosed buildings with wiring and plumbing are best. A hard-topped metal vehicle with the windows closed is also safe. Sheds, picnic shelters, tents, or covered porches do not protect you from lightning. For more information, please visit the NOAA Weather Ready Nation website at weather.gov WRN. No, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> hey, it's our favorite time of the entire podcast. It's WX Resources. We've actually talked about a bunch here for tonight, but now we're going to get real specific. So we're going to kick things off with Dina. Ah, all right. So mine is an actual app. It's a mobile app from FEMA. Um, let me share my screen and I'll just let you look at it. Share. So it's an app. Uh, you can set up weather alerts. Um uh, through the National Weather Service, you get safety reminders. And what's nice is you can see where open uh, local shelters are. You can upload your pictures. Um, and, and I like it because um, you can oh, – let me try to unsh stop sharing this. No, you're good. We see you. Oh, okay. Uh, it's nice, too, because you do get a little alert on your phone, like a little um, – what do you call it? That notification. Notification. And it even comes up on my Apple Watch. So it's kind of neat. So okay. once you set in your location too, like it'll pop up uh, for, you know, your local area. How do you find that? What? It, what uh, I just looked for? at it and, you know, when you search for an app, uh, just look for FEMA. Got it. Yep. Awesome. Easy. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Appreciate that. Hey, let's go to Phil. What do you got? This All right. My weather resource. So I'm just getting started. Uh, I shouldn't say getting started. I've, I've been working here a little bit on my uh, weather ham radio amateur radio license. That was one of the commitments I was going to make for myself this year for was to uh, go ahead and get that. So one of the things I found great resource, if you go to KB6NU.com, that's the amateur radio uh, call sign for uh, this individual's uh, name, doo -doo -doo -doo, Dan Romanchik. I believe it's his name, uh, but if you that's his website. You go there, and you'll find a link to his study guides, and he has study guides for all three licenses, the technician license, uh, general license, and the extra license, and the neat thing about, about it is you can purchase a Kindle or a Nook version. You can purchase a paperback version or an audio version, but he also does provide a PDF file, which is free, so you can actually oh, nice. download uh, his study guides. For any of those three amateur radio wow. licenses, you can uh, yeah download for free. And I've already uh, been through it. It's very good. He does a good job of highlighting exactly this is a test question. This is a test question. <laughs> so you pay know, attention. Yeah, it goes through it. Uh, so it really helps you go, okay, this I, I better really understand. Uh, that I better understand, et cetera, 
uh, etc. So a uh, great resource at kb6nu.com. So did you get it yet? Uh, no, I'm, I'm still studying. It's actually next month, second Thursday wow. of the month. I'm cool, going to go cool. take the test. I'll put on my calendar. I'm going to text right. you. All right. No postponing. You got a sore throat, right? Bring it on. <laughs> All right. All right, John. Hey, this is your first time with us for uh, WX Resources. What do you have for tonight? All right. Well, in the spirit of uh, weather models, I have to give us a Minnesota resource. You know, you betcha. I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so local weather model and, you know, in full openness, I'm a part of the crew that works on this is the Hopwarf model. So it's a high resolution ensemble model that we actually run here in Minnesota uh, is hopwarf.info. Um, so it's a four four member ensemble that goes out 18 hours uh, that we run in a very high resolution over the upper Midwest here and uh, keep tweaking it to really make it be a good resource. We also have a out there the called the MPAS model. And for that, to, before we dive down into the weeds on it, the uh, the GFS is going to be changing to the new next generation GFS here in the next year. And they chose one. There was two kind of primary ones at the end that they were going to choose. And they went one direction. And we said, well, why don't we just choose the other one and run that and take the data out on that? And uh, so that's a model that runs out, uh, you know, as long as the GFS. So oh, you know, wow. and a half or wow. so out there. So and it's a global model that we're running on that with a high resolution area over the United States. Thanks, John. Hey, yeah. Brady, before we get to yours, next time you see Dr. Hobgood, he used to have to drive all the way to Chicago to run his hurricane models <laughs> up there because what would take like four hours in Chicago took like three days. Oh, my gosh. Before, yeah. So, so you would drive. Oh, my. He would drive. And now now he can just go to John's, right? I just go to John's. <laughs> <Not> over. <laughs> Quick drive to Minnesota, right? Yeah. Right. All right. What do you got? Uh, so the site is Twister. Um and the website, I'll share my screen real quick, um, is uh, basically twister.asc.ohiostate.edu. If you just if you just search Ooh. Twister Ohio State on there, you'll be able to get it. Go Bucks. Yep. Go Bucks, exactly. So basically this site has um, anything from you know the satellite picture. You can loop that. Um, it also has the radar imagery. Uh, you can see this was today around noon when we were getting some snow. Um, as well as weather models such as the NAM, the GFS, uh, the rapid refresh. It does not have the Euro, sadly. Um, but this is just a great site where you can actually get some upper data. You can get some skew T's. You can get you know the 925 millibar chart all the way down to the 250 millibar chart. Um, you can get MOS forecasts as well, which is pretty cool. You actually got MOS comparison forecasts. Yeah, what the hell is all that stuff? It's it's just it, it's a, right. it's it's cool. I know I got super sciencey, but it's, Keep going. It's, it's it's a really cool resource for any weather nerds, and uh, encourage you guys to check it out. That's model output statistics there. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that site does have good help pages. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. They do have a help page as well that kind of explains a lot of stuff. Um, but that's at twister.asc dot or ohio slash or hyphen state dot edu just type in ohio state twister and that'll be the first to come up just put check the er the in there. it's ohio er, yeah. er. he's drinking yeah. <laughs> oh my god because i haven't eaten anything all day people oh, right? man. all right so in case you missed any of those letters in the links oh my god we will have them for you, you can go to stormfrontfreaks.com episode 48 show notes you can get all that and more all right, go ahead, Phil. Uh, I'll turn it over to Brady for All Brady, right. which, All which right. it, against yep. my better judgment, I'll turn it over to Brady for weather. Fools. Yes, Phil, against your better judgment and against my better judgment as well. Let's get into the weather fools. So, what exactly are weather fools? Us as the freaks are going out on the internet. We're looking for people in the news, people on YouTube, maybe you know, funny videos of cats playing in the snow, <laughs> anything weather related that, you know, makes people look a little silly or a little stupid. So I'll turn it over to Phil. Who is your weather fool this week? All right. So my weather fool, I actually just uh, popped right out of Twitter here today. Uh, this was from, uh, let me get this right here. So this is TV cameraman, Kyle De Bruyne, uh in a tweet from Catherine Sotnik from NBC 10 in Boston. Uh, so obviously relates to their, nor'easter that they just had you you can find her on twitter it's at cat k-a-t 
NBC Boston. So that's her Twitter handle. But here it is, car versus pedestrian. So here's the uh, cameraman. They're on a hill, lots of snow, two cars. One car is at the bottom with a person standing (laughs) outside that car. The other SUV is at the top of the hill. And uh, the SUV is going to slowly start working its way down towards the other car. Uh 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 Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Can't do anything. He's just moving. And finally, the guy outside the car moves, or he would have been sandwiched. Sandwich, yeah. Between, and he moved just Jeez. in time. So my, my weather fool here is really not the SUV at the top of the hill that had its brakes on, couldn't do anything. It was just sliding down the hill. It's not the guy who was necessarily standing outside the vehicle at the bottom of the hill. It's the person in the vehicle at the bottom of the hill that should realize, I'm not getting up this hill. I better just back my ass back down this. <laughs> yeah, so that is my weather fools that that moron that's at the bottom of the hill and should have been getting its ass out of the way. Should have been now, doing Phil, something. Phil, that always reminds me, you know, every time we get storm snow, you see these, you know, big freeway pileups, you know, and people start getting out of their cars and it's like, you can still hear yeah. the crashes in the yeah. background. Yeah, right. It's like, right. Oh my gosh, get back Run. in your car. <laughs> wow. All right, Phil, that was pretty great. I agree with you. That is a pretty good weather fool. Dina, do you got a weather fool tonight? Yeah, I do. All, All right. right. So this one, it's funny. It's uh, from Duke and media and it's uh, these skiers. They're coming down and you could tell the ones going through a path. He goes and he hits kind of a wall and he wipes out. It's not too big. Um, I got to turn this volume down. But then he's got his buddy behind him and his buddy's kind of coming through. He hits and I mean, he wipes out. <laughs> I mean, he's down oh for the count. Wait, let me back it up just to see it again because, oh, boom. You can watch it again. There you go. Oh, oh my God. Ouch. <laughs> wow. So I just think that's so funny. Knee <laughs> to the sternum. Knee to the sternum will and, definitely knock yeah. the wind out of you. Oh, yeah. Somebody was there recording it. They couldn't say, hey, you know, no. watch, watch out. No, <laughs> I wouldn't. just waited I for wouldn't. their buddy to wipe out. I want to see you make a fool Yeah, exactly. And as a person that's been skiing and actually was recently skiing, when you're in the trees, you don't know what's coming next. All right. No, you don't. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that was pretty great. I'm going to have right. to watch that one again. And, uh, so my weather fool this week uh, is myself, obviously. For anyone Again. that's watching the show, you can see that I was very badly burned. And as Chris Sander pointed out, I definitely should have worn sunscreen. But that wraps it up for the weather fools this week. And uh, I, you can, yeah, go ahead, Phil. I, I, I was going to say, I stuff. thought when it's cold outside, you don't have to wear sunscreen. See, that's <laughs> what I thought, and apparently not. You know. Albedo. This this yep. is our contribution to Weather Ready Nation Ambassador Program. What Al-Hoo? not to do? <laughs> what not to do? Just, just not, do don't be a Brady. Just don't do what I do, and you should be good. Wear sunscreen, no matter how cold it is outside. Yep. Anyway, you can find all these resources at StormfrontFreaks.com under Episode Forty Eight Show Notes. All righty. Well, let's keep rolling. MJ, what do we have for any listener questions or responses? Yeah. All right. First of all, a shout out. If those of you who are listening, uh, anytime come on Thursday uh, night and, and watch us record the show, you can participate in the chat. We've had a lively chat going on. So a shout out to all those folks uh, joining us for that uh, this evening. Um, then some folks, uh, uh, last episode, we talked about storm spotters, and National Weather Service storm spotting, and is that population aging and some things like that. And we got some responses, and that's exactly what we want. We want you to tell us uh, what you're thinking about these discussion topics. Ashley Morris uh, checked in, made a couple of comments, says, as far as marketing goes, I think National Weather Service does their best. The local media could assist with marketing. Uh, I haven't seen any local news station spreading spotting classes on their social media accounts, so local media should help. She also says, don't forget spotters help the after confirmation process of products as well photos from spotters are valuable for them to confirm the warnings uh so that's another thing that uh, ashley had to say thanks for for those comments uh trent chimed in and said i have so many opinions on this <laughs> we've had over 400 people attend each of our last two national weather service uh spotter trainings 556 in 2017 wow. and, and, he, and he says the age was younger than you might think where so. where is he uh, Trent does not say where he's at. 
So the I don't Tumwa, know. Iowa or something? Yeah, I, I don't know. People. I'm sorry. There was a trend in my meteorology class that graduated with me. Maybe that's might, him. Might have been him. Uh, and then we had we had some other folks. Mary Sloan uh, checked in on Twitter, said another great episode in the books. Loved it. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Mary. And uh, Tom, Tom Kane, uh, checked in, said, enjoy your podcast a lot. Very fun and informative. I found your show when you had Mark Suddeth on and have watched them all since. And he uh, also makes a shout out to Cleveland or Cleveland and Ohio. Said he's originally from Cleveland, graduated from Ohio State. Go Bucks! Go Bucks! Number one. And uh, and and he's got an IPA uh, suggestion for Kim, so we'll make sure we pass that along. Nice. Did he say he watched all the episodes Uh, since the Mark Sadith episode? Oh, okay, okay. I'm like, man, you got a binge to catch up. Only he's only suffered through a handful. (laughs) So thank thank you thank you everybody for your uh, comments. Very good. All right, so that about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks podcast. Thanks for listening and watching. If you happen to be watching our raw recording, but hey, before I tell you who our next guest is going to be, if you enjoy our show, please do us a favor, leave us a great review on your podcast app, and don't forget to subscribe to the show by hitting the uh, subscribe button on your podcast app. It works just like a magazine or newspaper subscription. It assures the latest show gets delivered right to your inbox and that you can listen the moment that it's released. Uh, Hey, special thanks to our guest, John Wetter and Spider Network. Do you have any closing thoughts for us, sir? Yeah, thanks, Phil. Um, First, just wanted to mention, you know, Spider Network, certainly I'm the president of the organization, but there's a lot of people behind the scenes that make it work. So I want to make sure I send a shout out to the uh, advisory panel, all the pe- folks who are keep it running, as well as Ryan Hickman with Allison House. And Allison House does a lot of help work for us to make sure Spotter Network actually works on severe storm days. So thanks to all those folks. Um, and I also want to send one last plug. I have a conference actually coming up. I run a conference, the Minnesota Severe Storms Conference, uh, coming up here in April, which uh, registration just opened today. So if people live in the area and are interested in coming here, a lot about severe storms, uh, we're coming up here on April 7th. Go to MNSCC, so Minnesota Severe Storms Conference.org and sign up. Where's it going to be held? Uh, it's actually held in downtown Minneapolis, the University of St. Thomas. Awesome. Very cool. cool. Yeah. All right. Well, good having you on, John. Thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, our, thanks for next, me. Our, our next episode is in two weeks and it continues National Weather Podcast Month. We'll be recording on March 22nd with the co-hosts of the Weather Hype Podcast, Castle Williams and Min Fan, and we'll be talking about severe weather communication with the two of them. So that uh, ought to be really interesting as we get into more of the social science of severe communication and how you inform the public of that kind of stuff. If you'd like to watch the recording live, it'll be at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. Check out our YouTube channel. Just go ahead and search Stormfront Freaks uh, at YouTube, and you will go ahead and find our channel. All right, so for uh, Maz and MJ and Chris and Dina and Brady, and for John, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear. We'll catch you next time, everybody. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. To subscribe and be notified when new episodes of our bi-weekly show are available, you can go to Apple Podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app and search for Stormfront Freaks. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter at Stormfront Freak. We'd love to hear from you. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out the interactive radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stormfrontfreaks. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.